they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Mary Danielle will be joining us presently. She's be there in a minute, but I just asked her to let me make a little pitch. First of all, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, and um, you'll be hearing this if you hear it on podcast, but also we have a evangelization conference coming up the 14th of January. Jesse, uh, Johnny Romero, and myself are going to be helping people evangelize in spite of s- scandal in the church, so I would ask you to check that out by going to vmpr.org or Call 877-526-2151. I think my wife is coming in, and we'll put her on, and then I'll, uh, I'll come, I'll, uh, I'll be doing the babysitting. But I think you guys will enjoy this, uh, this talk. It's going to be dealing with the Christmas story and how we can get more out of Christmas. Mary, I turn it over to you. Bring me out here. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome on this Friday, December the 23rd. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, 2022. So we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus. Sabaoth, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. So we want to prepare to welcome the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Jesus is the light of the world, and we invite him to come into our hearts, enlighten our hearts, and fill us with the joy of Christmas, the joy of his coming. When Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, God could have abandoned them to sin and and said, you know, you're done. Um, You will live a natural life and die a natural death and you won't have supernatural life. But that wasn't God's plan. God wanted to share his life with man, just like he wanted to share his life with the angels. So he made us to show forth his goodness and to share his everlasting happiness in heaven. God made man in his own image. In the divine image, he made him. Male and female, he created them. And he invited them to live in union with him. And in the beginning, he created them in grace. Adam and Eve were created in grace. So it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that when he created the Blessed Virgin Mary in her mother's womb, he also created her in grace because Christ is the new Adam. What does he come to do? He came to restore Adam was the the, the first father of all the living, and Christ came to restore everything and bring it back to the Father. They call it the recapitulation of all things in Christ. And so Jesus comes, but he comes to us as a child, a little child, at Christmas time. And it's interesting, from December 17th to um, December to today, to the 23rd, we have these beautiful old antiphons that the church sings. And um, they're used as the Alleluia response in the Mass, although they're also used in the office. And in the office, they're a little bit longer. On December 17th, we sang, O wisdom, O holy word of God, you govern all creation with your strong yet tender care. Come and show your people the way to salvation. And each one of these teaches us a deeper insight It gives us the prophecies of who the Messiah was to be and what he was to do. On December 18th, 
We sang, O sacred Lord of ancient Israel, who showed yourself to Moses in the burning bush, who gave him the holy law on Sinai Mountain. Come, stretch out your mighty hand and set us free. And again, what is he setting us free from? Well, he came to give us salvation, show us the way to salvation, that is to set us free from sin. And then on December 19th, we sing, O flower of Jesse's stem, you have been raised up as a sign for all peoples. Kings stand silent in your presence. The nations bow down in worship before you. Come, let nothing keep you from coming to our aid. There's this joyful anticipation, this longing. Are we longing for the coming of the Savior? And notice, O flower of Jesse's stem, a root, a, a bud shall blot, a bud shall sprout from the stem of Jesse. This is from the prophet, okay? And kings shall be in your presence. Yeah, the kings would come. The kings of Tarshish and Sheba and Seba would come. That's what the prophet had said. And we're asking him to not let anything interfere with his coming. Come, Lord, come. Come quickly, Lord. We're anticipating it. We're joyful. We're, we're looking for his coming. The Blessed Virgin Mary longed so much for the coming of the Lord. She longed so much for it. And this was part of the grace because she was to be the mother of God. She was to be the new Eve. Christ is the new Adam, and she is the new Eve who is at his side. And so God created her in grace to prepare her to be a worthy dwelling place for his son. And then on December the 20th, I think we're up to December 20th on the O antiphons. And these, by the way, these are the, the basis of the, the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Although in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, the verses don't occur in the same, same order as the way we sing them in the office. Okay, But on December 20th, we say, O key of David, O royal power of Israel, controlling at your will the gate of heaven. Come, break down the prison walls of death for those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and lead your captive people into freedom. And tomorrow's gospel, tomorrow on December 24th in the morning, the gospel will be the reading of Zechariah's hymn after the birth of John the Baptist. And he says, um, he, he, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his, of his servant David, David the king. Christ is a king. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. He would never forget. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. And then Zechariah says to his son, John the Baptist, you, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. O key of David, O royal power of Israel, controlling 
at your will the gate of heaven. Come, break down the prison walls of death for those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and lead your captive people into freedom. Freedom from sin. This is the freedom that Christ has won for us. He frees us from sin and death. Not the death of this world, from eternal death. There is a second death, the death of the soul, when the soul rejects God. An eternal death that will never end. That's what he came to free us from. But we have to accept him. You know, people wonder, they say, well, how can I relate to Christ? How can I? Have you asked him? Have you prayed? Have you said, Lord, I want to believe? I remember um, a religious sister told me one time, she, she was one of 12 children, and all of the children, the oldest brother left the church, and then all the others followed him out. And she happened to go to school, happened by the divine providence, go to school at the University of San Francisco. And she had a Jesuit priest as a teacher named Father Francis King. And one day in class, Father Francis King said, faith is a gift. If you want it, ask for it. Well, by that point, Sister's brother had come back to the church and he was praying for his brothers and sisters who had followed his example and left the church. He was praying they would all come back. And she was ready. She was ripe for wanting the gift of faith. She ran down the hill from class and went to theirs. It was a big, huge, um, was it? I think it's called Romanesque. It was a Romanesque style church, St. Ignatius Church on the University of San Francisco campus, huge church. And she went in and knelt before the Blessed Sacrament and said, Lord, I want the gift of faith. And she got it. And that's what we have to do. We have to pray. You know, if you don't think you can relate to Christ, well, maybe you don't know him. Maybe you haven't spent any time with him. Spend time with him. Pray. Ask him for the gift of faith. And then on December 21st, it said, O radiant dawn, splendor of eternal light, son of justice, Come shine on those who dwell in darkness and shadow and in the shadow of death. And again, Zechariah's hymn reflects this. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. God is the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He comes to lighten us, to show us what sin is so that we can stop sinning. He gives us the power by grace to stop sinning so that we can live in his grace. And then on the 22nd, we said, O king of all nations, the only joy of every human heart, O keystone of the mighty arch of man, come and save the creature you fashioned from the dust. God made man from the dust of the earth, remember? And Jesus is the king. He's the king that God promised David, a king, your own son will be on the throne. But it's not an earthly kingdom. It's the heavenly kingdom. And it is eternal. Jesus will never be taken off the throne. It's an eternal kingdom. And then this morning, it was Emmanuel, king and lawgiver, desire of the nations, savior of all people, come, set us free, Lord our God. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember the prophet Isaiah? The virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and she shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Don't go away. We'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers. Please tell your friends and all your neighbors and all the people at your church. We have a Bible study. It's free here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for the radio stations that pick us up. Thank you, our listeners. Thank you for those who offer your sufferings for us, who support us financially, who support us by your volunteer help, and who support us with your prayer. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 23rd day of December. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and we are awaiting the coming of the Lord. We are preparing our hearts to receive him. And again, I read at the the first section of this program, I read the O Antiphons, and I read them from the office. And I don't have the new translation of the office. I have the old Christian prayer book. So um, they may have been retranslated. But the O Antiphons are so beautiful because, and, and the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a beautiful rendition of those O Antiphons. But it's, they're all prophecies, prophecies from the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be. And the biggest thing he's going to do is he's going to free us from sin. He came to free us from sin. He didn't come to eradicate human suffering. Jesus didn't come to take away all human suffering. He didn't come to take away human death. He didn't come to take away the death of the body. He came to take away sin and eternal death. He came to take away the second death, the death, which is eternal death, the eternal death of being separated from God for all eternity by going to hell with Satan and his angels. So we don't want to go to hell with Satan and his angels. We want to believe. And if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. If you want a relationship with Jesus, begin by prayer. Prayer is a conversation. It's supposed to be a conversation with one who loves us, a loving conversation. We need to enter into this dialogue with the Lord. And it's a conversation, not a monologue. You know, we can go before God and demand all kinds of things. Oh, I want this and I want that. And, you know, give me this and give me that and whatever. And that we have a lot of needs. That's true. But remember, God is God, and we should praise him and bless him and worship him. We wouldn't even exist if he hadn't willed us into being, and if he didn't continue to will our existence in love. He loves us. You know, Conrad Bars in his book, Whatever Became of Sin, Conrad, not Conrad Bars, I'm sorry, that's the wrong name, Menninger, Carl Menninger. He was, he's a past president of the American Psychological Association, and he, you know, in the mental health industry for oh, 30 plus years, he was, um, had many members of his family were in the mental health industry. And he said, you know, 90% of all the mental illness I deal with is traceable to the loss of sense of sin. Now, he didn't say all of the mental illness he dealt with, but much of it, when we deny the reality of sin, and what he said was, you see, God is real. And he really loves us. So when we sin, the guilt that we feel because of that is real. It's not imposed on us by society or the church or our family or our parents. It's real guilt because we've offended someone who loves us. Remember that that God exists is not an article of faith. It's a self-evident truth. Anyone can know that God exists. You don't need faith. But to know that there are three persons in one God, that God is a trinity, that he's a community of love and life, that he is the original family and the, the human family was made in the image of God and that man was made in the image of God, yes, you need faith. To know that God became man, yes, you need faith. But you don't need faith to know that God exists. And so God gave us the Ten Commandments and he wrote them on our heart. So when we sin, when we break his commandments, 
He gave us those commandments, not because he's saying, I want to take all your fun away and you can't have any fun. You're just supposed to go around as, you know, the long face and, oh, woe is me and I'm so sinful and I'm so horrible and, oh, the... No, we are joyful because our sins have been forgiven and the Lord Jesus wants to forgive. But we need to give up our attachment to sin and we need to strive manfully against sin. And when we don't, we degrade ourselves. God made us in his image. He put a divine spark within us. And we try to put that spark out when we sin. So the guilt we feel is real because we have offended someone who loves us. By the way, look over my shoulder. You see the crucifix. Let us never forget. He loved us to the point of death. He loved us so much. Greater love no man has than to lay down his life for his friend is what our Lord said in the gospel. But you know, it's interesting. He loved us when we were his enemies. He loved us when we were estranged from him by sin. When we were slaves of the enemy, when we were slaves of the devil, he loved us to the point of shedding his blood for us. And Christmas, you can't separate the cross and the crib. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was laid in a manger, a manger that was made out of wood. When he died on the cross and was born into eternal life, he died on the wood of the cross. The tree of man's defeat, Adam and Eve sinned at the foot of the tree. The tree in the garden was supposed to be the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they disobeyed God. So it became for them the tree that separated them from God. The tree of man's defeat becomes the tree of his victory, the cross over my shoulder. You see Christ dies on a tree to redeem what was lost. God redeems it all. So we go back and we look at the prophecies and what, 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 what have we been thinking about and meditating on during this Advent season? We have the reading from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter two in the very beginning of Advent. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days to come. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his path. For from Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, the, the prophet is giving a tall, tall prophecy here. There will be no more war. Yes, that will be fulfilled in the heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem... <laughs> that we read about in the book of Revelation, the Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven like a bride prepared to meet her husband, adorned with precious jewels. And the lamb is the lamp of the city and the Lord God is its light. So we have this promise of peace, but we will find that peace in our own lives when we learn to love and forgive. 
One of the greatest obstacles to peace in this world is unforgiveness. Every one of us needs to examine our hearts and ask, is there someone in my life I haven't forgiven? Father John Hamsch once had a woman come to him. She was in a wheelchair. She'd become crippled. And she had been gone to many masses, healing masses, and asked for healing, and she wasn't healed. And Father John said, you must be holding some resentment against someone. And she said, Father, no, I've forgiven everything. What about your husband? Your husband who abandoned you with five children. You, a single mom, would take care of all those children. It was too much. And, and she said, well, Father, I've forgiven him. And, and Father said, let me badger you for a little. Well, Father badgered her for an hour. And at the end of the hour, it came out. Yes, I'm still harboring in my heart resentment towards my husband who left me with these children. And Father said, are you willing to forgive him? Yes, I'm willing to forgive him. And Father said, stand up out of that wheelchair and walk. And she did. That resentment was blocking God's grace for her healing. Now, her physical healing was a sign of her spiritual healing. You see, Jesus said in the Our Father, pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. And then he went on to explain after the Our Father, he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. So one of the biggest obstacles in our life to peace is that resentment that we harbor. I have a right to be angry at this person. They hurt me. They did this. They did that. You know, there are a lot of people who have been hurt really bad. Maybe somebody killed one of their family members. Maybe somebody, um, maybe they were raped. Maybe they were, somebody stole and embezzled everything that they had to live on. You're right. There's, there's justified anger. But if we hold on to it and we decide that we hate the person, St. Paul said, love the sinner, but hate the sin. So this is what we strive for as Christians. I'm not saying don't feel the anger. Feel the anger, but say, Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger. And I want to come to a place of healing where I can eventually forgive the person who has done this terrible wrong. Because if I hold on to the resentment, it's going to destroy me. It destroys the image of God in me. And in addition to that, it will destroy my ability to form loving relationships with the people around me. So people who have grown up in dysfunctional families and they were very hurt by one or both of their parents, maybe by their siblings, by others who came into the home. And then as they grew, because the family was dysfunctional, they, they, it, unfortunately, when people have dysfunctional families and they've been wounded, um, other people tend to take advantage of them throughout life. But if we don't make an act of the will to forgive, if we don't strive to forgive those people, God cannot fully forgive us. We have to forgive. That doesn't mean we don't have to feel the emotion. We can feel the emotion of anger Say, Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger and I want to be able to come to a place of healing in my emotions so that I can forgive not just with my will, but with my emotions. But we also have to give the time, the emotions, the time they need. And if we don't do that, it does destroy the image of God in us. You see, and, and this is what it leads to mental illness. I'm not going to forgive. I'm the arbiter of justice. 
By the way, you can become psychotic, you can become neurotic if you decide to take that choice. I won't forgive. I'm going to be the arbiter of justice and I'm going to decide how that justice is, is exercised. And so that's a psychotic. He becomes the arbiter of justice. Very dangerous place to be. Or you can become neurotic. And you know what? There's a lot of neurotics running around and that's okay. God loves us. He's, he's drawn to our weakness. He came to save the sinners and he came to save and redeem what was lost. He came to heal what was broken and wounded. Jesus wants to heal us. Jesus literally died on the cross to heal us. But are we willing to forgive? And we can ask for that grace. It's like, Lord, my emotions are too raw right now. I can't get to that place where I'm even willing to forgive yet because my emotions are so raw. Help me to process the emotions. Help me to work through the anger, the just anger. If someone's really done a grave injustice against you or a family member, you have a, a right to, to be angry, but you don't have a right to be sinful in that anger. We don't want to cling to that anger and make a sin of it. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin because God hates the sin because it degrades us. I hear the music. We'll be right back with more on Bible with the Barbers. Let's prepare for Christmas. Make our hearts ready to receive the Lord, for the Lord is coming, and he is coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers, and we're talking about preparing our hearts to welcome the Lord Jesus at Christmas. So we want to remember that we want to um, free our hearts from sin. The Lord came to free us from sin, because that's what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned, and they became slaves of sin. And Jesus says in the gospel, anyone who sins is a slave of sin, and no slave has a permanent place in his father's household. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is what the Son has come to do. And I want to read the prologue to the Gospel of John. I read the first section of this um, program today. We read the O Antiphons, the prophecies about the Messiah and who he would be. These O Antiphons on which the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is based. These Antiphons that the church sings from December, December 17th to December 23rd, which was today, as the Gospel um, the, you know, at the Alleluia, at, before the gospel, it's the, the verse before the gospel at Mass. And during the um, office, for those who pray the office, it's evening prayer, it's the gospel canticle. It is the canticle that's prayed before the Magnificat every evening. So the O Antiphons from December 17th to December 23rd are sung. But we have the prologue to the Gospel of John. And John's gospel is the gospel that points out the most, the divinity of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean because John's gospel points that out, well, that was just something John made up, and he was just a dreamy theologian who wanted to, this to be true. No. You see, we are told by the fathers of the church that Matthew wrote his gospel in Aramaic while Peter and Paul were in Rome laying the foundations of the church there. Upon their departure, Mark wrote the gospel as has been preached by Peter, Luke wrote the gospel that had been preached by Paul, and later on, John wrote his gospel. 
And we have internal evidence from all four Gospels that all four of them were written before the fall of Jerusalem. And so when John wrote his Gospel, you know, people, modern theologians say, but it's so different. I mean, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are parallels. There are lots of parallels in there, and they repeat a lot of the stories. And, you know, some things are a little different, but there's a lot of commonality. Well, it's interesting. One of my professors in college pointed something out about biblical studies professor, and he said, you know, if it weren't for the Gospel of John, we would have thought that the, the public life of our Lord was probably six months long, because that's how it appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in the Gospel of John, you know that there's the passage of yours because he talks about Jesus going up to Jerusalem for the different feasts. He goes up for the Passover three different times. We know there was a passage of three years. So for this, for those who like to say that John's, and Father also pointed out to us, he said, you know, people like to say that John's is the most ethereal gospel, the one that's the least rooted in, in, in earthly things. He said, really? What does he talk about? He talks about light and darkness. He talks about fire and water. He talks about very earthly things, very earthly things. But he sees in everything the hand of God. And this is what we all want to strive for. So what do we have in the beginning, the prologue of John's gospel? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was present to God in the beginning. Through him, all things came into being. And apart from him, nothing came to be. Whatever came to be in him found life. Life for the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Already we have the light and the darkness, the life. There was a man named John sent by God who came as a witness to testify to the light so that through him all men might believe, but only to testify to the light for he himself was not the light. The real light which comes and gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through him the world was made. Yet the world did not know him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. Anyone who did receive him, he empowered to become children of God. These are those who believe in his name, who were begotten not by blood, nor by carnal desire, nor by man's willing it, but by God. And the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of an only son coming from the father, filled with enduring love. The gospel of the Lord. And that gospel goes on. It says that of his fullness we have all received, love following upon love. It's, it's so profound, that introduction to the Gospel of John. And it's one of the things I love about the Ordinary at Mass and the old, the old Tridentine Mass also, that that Gospel is read after every Mass. Because it reminds us that, yes, the early church really believed that the Son of God became man. And this is, this is the great, you know, it, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing reality. God became man. 
And by the way, you can look up, there's a, there's a Christmas carol that was written by G.K. Chesterton. And it talks about this, about this little babe, you know, that lay in Mary's lap and that lay on her heart and that nursed at her breast. And, and Chesterton wrote this, but it, it really brings out the profound mystery of the incarnation that our God became incarnate. It's almost unimaginable. No human being could have ever thought this up. And even though it was revealed to the angels that God would become incarnate, they didn't know when or where or how or how it would happen. So that that work of God was hidden from the devil. So he wasn't able to know and discern clearly that Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, was truly God incarnate. He had his suspicions, perhaps. That's why the devils were always testing him. But he didn't know it for sure. He's the enemy of God, and he's not God. And he's an angel. And even though he has an angelic intellect, remember, when you sin, it darkens your intellect, it weakens your will, and it makes you ugly. It makes you ugly because it takes away the image of God in you, and all it leaves is sin, which is destructive and ugly. And it darkens the intellect and weakens the will. And this is what happened to the angels. That doesn't mean we're any match for their intellect. The fallen angels have an intellect that's far. That's why you don't argue with the devil. You go to the Lord and you pray and you ask him to enlighten your mind and heart and to fill you with the true knowledge of his word made flesh. One of the O antiphons refer to this, the word of God coming. And so we have in the prophet all of the things that were going to happen the prophecies telling us that the Messiah would come and who he would be. He would be born of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be despised. He would be rejected. You know, but at the same time, there were a lot of prophecies and people are like, well, you know, how did Jesus fulfill that, right? So we have Isaiah 11, which was the reading for Tuesday of the first week of Advent. On that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, the shoot. Remember that sprouts from the stump of Jesse, as it mentioned in the O Antiphons? This is the Messiah, and he comes from Jesse's lineage, because David is the son of Jesse. And from his roots a bud shall blossom. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord." by the way, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, they rested on Jesus. Jesus is God, made man, and he has the fullness of the Spirit. And the, the mission of Jesus and the Holy Spirit are united, just as the mission of the church is united to the mission of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and can't be separated from it, from them. Cannot, the, the mission of the church cannot be separated from the Son of God made man, Jesus Christ our Savior, and his Holy Spirit. Not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide, but he shall judge the poor with justice and decide aright for the lands afflicted. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist, and faithfulness the belt upon his hips. And remember, he doesn't, God's punishment is not because he wants to destroy us. It's for correction. 
He wants to correct us. I will correct you by drawing them up before your eyes, your sins. I will correct you by drawing them up so that you can repent. As I live, says the Lord, I do not desire the death of the sinner, but that he turn from his sin and turn back to me and live. Then the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall be neighbors. Together their young shall rest. The lion shall eat hay like the ox. The baby shall play by the cobra's den and the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. There shall be no harm or ruin on all my holy mountain for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as water covers the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall be set up as a signal for the nations the Gentiles shall seek out, for his dwelling shall be glorious. Partial fulfillment, but it's pointing again to heaven. It's pointing to when the eternal kingdom, where Jesus Christ will reign forever, and there will be be no more war and no more dissension and no more hatred. And this is why we want to renounce all bitterness and resentment and hatred. You know, we, we should be renewing our baptismal vows. I would say at least once a week, but maybe every day. As a matter of fact, I was taught every time you put your hand in the holy water, you're supposed to say, by this holy water, Lord Jesus, cleanse me from all of my sin and from all attachment to sin and renew in me the grace of my baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the holy water is to remind us of our baptism and to renew us. And we should renew those baptismal vows. We made vows to God to believe in him. And we renounce Satan and sin and refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil. We need to renew that. I'll be back. I hear that music again. Don't go away. We have more about preparing for Christmas, opening our hearts for the Lord Jesus to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. May our hearts be open to you. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. It is Friday, right? Yes, it's Friday. I'm sorry. December. I almost said January. It's December the 23rd, 2022. Christmas is coming soon. And we ask the Lord Jesus to come. We want to prepare our hearts and open our hearts for his coming. Just a couple of quick announcements. January 14th, we will have um, the Virgin Most Powerful Evangelization Conference here at Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. And it's an all-day conference with Johnny Romero, who wrote a book on lay evangelization and Terry Barber. And then we have the admission is $35 for single and $60 for married couples. And there's online registration at vmpr.org, or you can call 877-526-2151. So go ahead and uh, register for that evangelization conference. We also have the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up March 25th and 26th at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Pomona. And it only can accommodate a certain number of people. So you want to register for that early. Bishop Strickland is supposed to come. Um, Father Chad Ripperger, Jesse Romero, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clements. So we want you to register soon. Um, the registration is open for that also. The admission is $95 for single and 180 for married couples. And um, you can go to vmpr.org to register or call 877-526-2151 for the Spiritual Warfare Conference. It's going to be March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation, and March 26th, 
2023. So remember to register for those. So we're talking about Christmas, the coming of Christmas, how the church prepares us spiritually. And remember the main reason Christ came was to free us from sin. And we've talked about the O antiphons that the church gives us to meditate on from December 17th to December 23rd, which is today. And then we have, um, we talked a little bit about Zachariah's hymn from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the Canticle of Zechariah, which is used in the office, the church's office, um, Luke 1, 68 through 69, every morning at morning prayer, this canticle is prayed. And we want to talk a little bit before the end of this program on the Magnificat, which is Our Lady's Canticle. And again, these are ways to prepare. Meditate on these realities. I read a couple of the scriptures from uh, earlier in Advent, the Isaiah from the first Sunday of Advent, Isaiah from Tuesday of the first week of Advent. To what? And then I read the, also the prologue to the Gospel of John. We want to fully understand God really became man. He truly, Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. He is not a human person. He is a divine person who has taken to himself a human nature and really became man. He's really incarnate. And I suggested that you look up The Christmas Carol by G.K. Chesterton. There was a man who actually put it to music. It's a, it's a poem that G.K. Chesterton wrote, profound meditation on um, the incarnation. We need to realize this. God really became man. God became man. And so we it's the truth that will set us free. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Bishop Sheen used to say, you know, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. So we want to follow the way. We want to know the truth. And we want to live the life in union with Jesus Christ. And he does give us the power to be free of sin. So the Magnificat, Mary's song. And again, let's walk this Advent, not just with Mary and Jesus. Remember, Jesus, during the first Advent, was a little infant in his mother's womb. And, um, but St. Joseph was there also. Let's ask St. Joseph to accompany us, especially through these last couple of days of Advent and then through the Christmas. Remember, Christmas begins tomorrow evening with the Christmas Eve celebration and then continues until the baptism of the Lord, which this year will be the 9th of January. All right? So Christmas is just beginning, okay? Christmas isn't ending. Don't take down your Christmas trees and your, and your decorations on Sunday or Monday. No, Christmas is just beginning. So Mary, when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and this is in, the, this is in Luke 1, verses 46 to 55, she goes to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth acknowledges that she is the mother of the Lord. Elizabeth confesses that the infant has just leapt in her womb, and the church fathers teach us that the, the, the presence of the Messiah has cleansed John the Baptist from all sin in his mother's womb. He's been cleansed from original sin in his mother's womb. That's why he leapt. The, 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 the Messiah is so close to him, and he recognizes him. He, the precursor, recognizes this. And Elizabeth herself is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For the moment your greeting sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she that her firm believing in the, in the promises of the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary responds, how? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. For from this generation, 
from this day forward, for from this day forward, all generations shall call me blessed. For the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. God resists the proud, and he exalts the humble. Jesus, give us the grace of humility. Share with us your humility. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. God is faithful. He has not forgotten his promise. No matter how much evil you see out there in the world, remember every time we sin, we increase that evil. We want to give up sin and go to confession. And I know a lot of the local parishes aren't going to make confessions available from what I understand, but you can always ask a priest if you didn't get a chance to go to one of the penance services or you didn't get a chance to go to confession to get ready for Christmas, ask a priest now, Father, I would like to go to confession to prepare my heart to receive Jesus and in a very special way. So please let me go to confession. The ordinariate will have confessions, I believe, uh, before Christmas Eve Mass and then again on Christmas Eve Mass, by the way, is at 4 p.m. here at Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina, and then Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Mass. So we have two Christmas Masses, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and I believe Father will hear confessions before those Masses. Um, he usually does. So, But ask your priests, if, you know, please hear confessions. Um, St. Lawrence Ruiz Parish in Walnut may be having confessions. Check with them. Check their schedule. If you haven't been to confession, if you didn't get to one of the penance services, go. Go to confession. This is a good way to prepare for Christmas. Meditate on the scriptures. Read the scriptures. You can look up the daily readings from the lectionary, the readings that are given at, at daily mass. You can look them up online and read them and think about them. Meditation is nothing other than ruminating in our mind, thinking about what we're reading. It's like the gospel of John, the prologue. I read it in rather rapid fashion. I remember once in college, the same, the same priest who pointed out to us that the gospel of John is the one that tells us we had Jesus' public life was three years long and that his, his, his gospel is very rooted in earthly things like life and death and fire and water and light and darkness. Um, he, said, he, he said, one of you read the prologue to the gospel of John. And so I read, I volunteered and I read it and he stopped me. He said, no, no, I want you to read it. I want you to read it in such a way that it's going to to get to you. So I started reading it again. And I began to weep. And I didn't break down in front of the class, but I, I was like, wow. I mean, it really, slow down, think about it. In the beginning, in the beginning, before anything else was, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's never been alone. God is a community of love and life. He's a trinity of persons. He has a son. We don't find that out until his son becomes man. And his son reveals the father to us. But father's, father said, you know, he said, one of the best compliments I ever got was from one of my students who came in to see me in my office hours. And he said, I'm dropping your class. And I asked him, why are you dropping my class? And he said, 
I'm dropping your class because the book is getting to me. Now, what the young man said next was tragic. He said, and I don't want the book to get to me. But father had been successful in what he wanted to do. He never wanted to do biblical studies as just an academic exercise. He wanted us to fall in love with the word of God. And remember, the word of God is first and foremost a person, the second person of the blessed Trinity, the son of God who became man. But his word is also written. And this scripture, every word of this scripture speaks to us about God's son. And unfortunately, that young man wasn't ready to accept the Son of God. But the book was getting to him. And that's what Father wanted to happen to us. And I pray that for each one of us, yes, the Word of God will get to us. And it will purify our souls. We will allow it to purify our souls. And as as the book of Hebrews says, the Word of God is living and effective. It pierces more surely than a double-edged sword dividing nerve and sinew, bone and marrow. Yes, Lord, divide us from our sins, take away our sins, and prepare a place for yourself in our hearts. Get us ready to receive you. What is it, less than 48 hours? You know, 24 hours from now is going to be one o'clock on Christmas Eve, and 24 hours from that is going to be one o'clock on Christmas Day. Christmas begins tomorrow evening in just 36 hours. Less than 36 hours. Less than 36 hours, the celebration of Christmas begins. And we welcome Christ. Open our hearts. Open our hearts to welcome Christ. So let us confess our sins and do penance for our sins and turn to the Lord and trusting him. He came to save sinners. He came to seek out and save what was lost. He doesn't desire the death of the sinner. He doesn't chastise us because he wants to beat us up and tell us how bad we are. He chastises us to correct us just like a father. What father is there who will not correct his son? What kind of a father is that? Well, we have a father in heaven that will correct us and we have a savior who will correct us and he gives us the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. So let us renounce sin, renew our baptismal promises. Let us go to confession. Let us meditate on the word of God. Let us ask our lady and St. Joseph to accompany us and help us not only for this Advent, but for all the Christmas season to draw closer to the Lord and make a place for him in our heart, not just during Christmas, but every day of our life from this moment forward. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, December 23rd. I hope you enjoyed this program and I hope you'll share it. Listen, share, listen to it again, share it again. Let everyone know that we have this Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you to all our benefactors and friends. Thank you to those who pray for us, who offer your sufferings for us. Thank you to the radio stations that pick up our signal. Don't forget about our upcoming conferences in January on the 14th and in March on the 25th and 26th. Merry Christmas and happy Lord, live in your heart now.